Hello, what's happening, my people? Welcome to the Black Morning. Today, I have with me Sika Machi, the incredible artist. I, I, I just I just want to dive in. I just want to dive in because I, I, I feel our people already know you mm-hmm. from the last episode. And I got a lot of like feedback about the last episode. Gosh, um, I would say thank you to everyone that listened to our last episode and gave feedback. It really, really means a lot to us. And um, we are going to continue on our topic of empathy. And uh, I have this question that has been a team for me the whole of um, the week, mm-hmm. I would want to put that question first. So if you would pick one of these two to be a personal guide for your life, mm-hmm. which would you pick? Emotion or reasons? Okay, so I, I think that's a very dicey question. But I would be quick to jump to emotions because um, I really like to act based on how I feel. Like, I I actually refer to myself as a human sponge. So I actually like to um, tackle issues based on how I feel. But then again, I would also say reason is a very strong factor. I, I, I feel like reason actually guides emotion because sometimes when... When you're moved to do things just based on your emotions, most of the times it doesn't really end up too good. And I've had like fair hand experience of how that can go. So it will be very difficult to pick between the two who would be my guide. So reason and emotion will both have to agree to come together to guide me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I believe that reason guides emotion because then when you're too practical, to that's that can be quite problematic because mm-hmm. then that makes it difficult for you to empathize with people because you mm. always want to deal with people with formula and mathematical calculations and everything has to add up. Yeah. So I believe reason and emotion do work hand in hand and I really want both of them to guide me. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah I love that. I love that. I I feel it comes to this um should I, should I call it like um, a biblical principle that um, like, like Jesus Christ um, kind of expounded on, which is um, the difference between law and love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's I, I, perfect. Um, I think law kind of go with reason. Reason, yes. Yeah. Yes, you do but, this, so uh-huh. you have to get X. <laughs> exactly. But then in love, you want to read, like you actually, you know, even in love, you want to reason through why the person is acting the way they're acting or why mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a very, very, like, direct example of of this like yeah. law yeah. and love yeah yeah i i i i think it, the people people call me the black shrek I, I i really love the name and um the black b-l-a-c um stands for building leaders with aptitude of christ mm. and the christ in that is it just means this aspect of love 
having leaders that are able to be empathetic enough to treat people mm-hmm. with kindness, Definitely. to see people, mm-hmm. actually see them, mm-hmm. and be willing to connect with them. Mm-hmm. The leaders that have that essence of Christ, Definitely. you know, mm-hmm. Christ life attitude yeah. as you put it. I think that that is what it's it means for me. And I feel like each and every one of us. Our leaders, even as followers, we still leaders. And being able to build young ones to, you know, to have that Christ-like attitude, mm-hmm. that um, loving attitude with empathy and community, love, mm-hmm. you know, having this attributes it's it's big i think it's just going to be one way we can really you know change our world yeah. and build a strong community community yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. moving forward <laughs> i would i'd want us to majorly this aspect of emotion and reason can you tell me one scenario within your life that's puts emotion and reasons, you know, <laughs> in, in the balance. Like, yeah, what, what, what is that story you can think so about? So a perfect example would be when I lost my dog. Mm. We, I really wanted, she, she gave birth to four puppies yeah. and I wanted to keep, actually wanted to keep all four. <laughs> but then we, we realistically had to keep one. But then I realized that there, were, there was this other one that look good that I also wanted to keep. But then looking at the scenario realistically, can we be able, my partner and I, can we be able to like afford taking care of an extra dog? Even though we want to keep the two of them because one of them passed, like their mom passed away and then she was very, mm-hmm. very close to me. Like, will I be, will we be able to keep an extra dog? But then we thought about, we sat down through the whole situation and then, I thought about the fact that, okay, fine, we still have to give one of them out, but then I'd want them to go into a home that would treat them like I would, mm. because then I wouldn't want to put them in a place where um, maybe I'd see them later on and mm-hmm. then feel some type of way of yeah. people who do not have the empathy to take care of dogs That's because they it. feel like, oh, they're just animals and you can uh, just treat them how you want to treat them and they'll yeah. still survive anyway, so... I think that's a very clear example for me as to how we're able to marry emotion and then Amazing. being practical yeah. yeah, to solve a problem. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a very perfect example yeah. for so, me. So in this scenario, the reason say keep one because you can afford to keep two. Definitely. Emotion yeah. says <laughs> keep one and two because yeah. <laughs> so the balance is like okay, yes, um, we know one would still cost us, but we would be able to, like, you know, take, take care of her. And then you, you, you use emotion to, like, uh-huh, answer Definitely. to that. And yeah. at the same time, be like, emotion, yeah, we've done your part. Definitely. But now let's, let's, we need mm-hmm. to, like, use reason, reason and say, yeah. let's find a different family. For, but for, not just say, okay, one, get out of here, but yeah. also just looking at it as um, 
who are we giving it to? Who, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Being very the, intentional. Exactly. Yeah, about about, about and like it. knowing that, see, we want a family that will really take care of Take her. care of them. We want yes. a family that will take them as part of their family yeah. and not just an accessory in the yes. house, you know, yes. and all that. Yeah, I, I I really love that. And and even with that, I feel like the empathy is now even extending to the person we are giving mm-hmm. um, um, this little one to. Because then again, we do not want this little one to become a burden to so you. That would start make like at a point you start to think because these sometimes when we haven't even eaten, we think about what they they have mm-hmm. to eat first, and we know how. The system is right now. Yeah. When people are hungry, they just think about, oh, like, yeah. and this is just an animal living with you. Uh-huh. So this empathy is actually being extended to the other person. Yeah. We're actually looking at, if we don't want to put anybody in a position mm. where you feel like, oh, I, I have, to, I can't do this, but yeah. I have to do this because yeah. I have made this commitment. Mm. So, okay. yeah. This and is, and, and, and I, I feel um, there are some people that would struggle um, with their pets with them. I, I've had a lot of like stories of like people that have gone through a lot, but mm-hmm. they are not willing to like let their pet go. go. Just exactly I'll, I'll, as a lot of people would not be willing to like let their mm-hmm. ch- child go mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. But it gets to an extent whereby they're like, okay, um, we can't we can do this any longer. Mm-hmm. And and even with, with children, uh, there are a lot of families, there's no shame in need yeah. of saying that, see, I can't, I want to give, you know. It's a very hard decision mm-hmm. and all that. And it's it pricks in people's ego and yeah. all that. Like, yeah. I, it, it falls back to um, what I do. Um, we, we have a lot of, like, children that we provide education mm-hmm. for. And our goal is to make sure that children are with families. And most of these families, um, um, the, the place of hardship and all that, they had to like let um, the children go mm-hmm. down to yeah. like the orphanage or stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, this facility to so that the children can have a better life. Um, finding out that most of these uh, children have parents. Um, at first, it was like, what? Yeah, yeah. You know, you come from that yeah. place of judgment mm-hmm. and be like, why are the children in an orphanage when they're mm-hmm. supposed to be with the parents? Don't the parents care about them and all that? And then you go back and find out the backstory and get to know why this is... Why, why did you, you know? And then you get to see the extent of pain that it took them before they could say, okay, so, yeah. you know, you get to see the extent of poverty in the house and all that. Yeah. And you uh, you even feel ashamed of yourself yeah. for judging for them. For judging them. See? And I think sometimes um, it is difficult when you've made that this um, commitment and you kind of feel like, I can't um, do this anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But if within the time where you can't do this anymore, it is important that you're able to then look at, okay, what is the best place for, not just mm-hmm. for my ego, but yeah. for the child. For the what child. can I do to like, you know, what can I do to, to put my pet in a better place? In a better place, yeah. She doesn't have to go through that. Struggle, thing. yeah. Because it's still going to be a struggle because your pet is going to miss you just the same way that every single child that will that we've met in this orphanage and reunified to the families mm-hmm. have gone through that, you know, that phase that of feeling, like yeah. missing the, their, their parents mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, 
every single time the children are able to like be you know reunited with their parents it's gosh it's it's just so much joy yeah. and being able to be in this space to make that happen mm-hmm. brings me mm-hmm. a level of like joy I, you, you, so you it's can't imagine you're being led by both empathy and reason because if you want to go with just your emotions yeah. you realize that there are lots of mistakes that you ended up making like I, along I, the I, way I, see I've, I, I think the, the, the main reason why this has has been um, a huge question for me is because see I, I do a lot of things from emotion. I'm like this person that, that okay, I know I don't have the money for this, but, but this needs to be done. Can we just squeeze in? Can we get it done? <laughs> I'm like two months ever the day. Like, you know, I, I'm that person that I just want to solve the problem and I don't think about what are the financial implications. If it's sometimes it goes at the detriment of those around you, uh-huh. if you want to like apply emotions throughout, then you realize that you are not even being empathic to those around you because then you are being led by maybe what you feel you want to do without even considering how the people around you would feel by how by your actions or by what you're doing. Something. You are one person that has experienced loss like loss of someone that is really dear to you, just like uh, myself. And um, I feel you've gone through your space of grief. I I want us, I want you to like take us through your your journey of grief. Where are you this moment? Um, in just a simple way of putting it, mm-hmm. take us through your black moment. From what I remember vividly from the experiences that the experience that I have had with grief, um, those actually the point when I came to the realization that one person that is most important to me in this entire world, I am going to continue this life journey and that person is going to be absent. Like just that reality hitting me was enough. And especially at the age where it happened, because I was 15 at that time, when my mom passed um, and that moment for me was it threw me into a spiral I would say because this is me growing up and experiencing life and still not understanding certain things and then this major thing out of nowhere just hits you and I was even more broken because I I actually said a prayer to God one time when she was in the hospital. I went out and then I just looked up to the skies. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just held on to that little faith that I had. And I was like, God, you know how much this person means to me. And 
I mean, you and I know, know the story. I don't have to go back and forth with you. You know everything that's happening. And this person means the world to me. So I would really appreciate it if you don't take this person away. Yeah. But then it happens all the same. So grappling that whole, like trying to make meaning out of that whole experience, knowing that I'm going to continue life without someone that is very important in my life. And then secondly, the fact that I prayed about this and then with the knowledge that I know about God, I mean, he's, he's a very merciful person. He, he grants miracles and then he listens to people. So then why didn't he listen to me mm. at that point? So that was, those, those were the things that were going through my mind. And then how the future was going to look because... The uncertainty. Yeah, uncertainty, like trying to make sense of everything it really was a struggle yeah. especially mentally for me because there was a point in my family where nobody really could comfortably speak about my mom yeah. and everything that had happened because everyone else was also processing it in a very different way and that moment actually wasn't a black moment for just me but it was a black moment for everybody around who felt that close connection yeah. with my mother but in my grief i couldn't better understand what everyone else was also going through especially with my age as well yeah. i was i was still in i think i was about to write bc yeah yeah so with that whole experience, I, I, I wasn't even in a better place to understand what everyone else yeah, your child is, 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 is going through. And yeah. a lot happened so fast mm. that I didn't have time to process. Mm -hmm. I also didn't have time to grieve properly because then I happened to be the elder sister. Oh. You have to be strong for your sister. Mm. You don't have to cry so much. You And people tell you that. Yeah, you, mm. you don't. You have to be strong for and your sister. Be so strong for your sister. So you just yeah. you're just in a moment of you catch yourself weeping. Your sister is coming. You just cleaning. Like no, don't mm. worry. Like everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, it's just the two of us. And you're saying these things, but you actually don't believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just you, you don't believe these things. And people come and they are telling you God knows best, and you are asking yourself like, what are you even talking about? Mm. Like. What are you saying? So that whole moment is what I would call my black moment. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was a very deep and dark moment for me. And it took me, I would say years to come out of that grieving process. Even though I won't say that right now I'm 100% healed, but with what my spirituality and in my practice has led me to, I now understand that even though she's gone, she's still here with me. So mm -hmm. I find ways of communing with her. I find ways of spending time with her. There are times when I catch myself talking to myself, but I realize that, no, I'm not talking to myself. I'm actually talking to my mom. Yeah. And those moments for me are the times that bring me joy because then I'm like, okay, even though this person is not with me presently, I can still connect to this person and connect to the memories that we have in a very beautiful way. Mm. And there are times when 
I feel like when I remember her or when I talk about her, I just light up within. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a reflection of her being happy that I still remember her and I still push that connection with her. So that whole experience for me is what I would call my black moment. And even with what I had to go through to come out of that process, Mm -hmm. like, and doing it all by myself was, was, was quite difficult because the people around me also didn't have the strength to help me Yeah. because how, how can they help me when Mm -hmm. they don't even know how to help themselves? So, yeah. I I think, um, this is, this is, this is deep and what, what I'm trying to grasp here is I I know what it means to lose a wife mm-hmm. but I don't know what it means to lose a mother and I always think am I am I being there not for my daughter I this, this really gets me really emotional but am I am I being there enough for my daughter Am I helping her to like go through this process of grief? Because in one way or the other, I feel like grief don't don't should I say doesn't heal, mm-hmm. but you can you can grow around it. Yeah, I, I feel I have been able to like grow also so big around my grief that um, my grief has become really small that um, it doesn't hurt me like haunts me any longer but have I been able to help my daughter go through that because she has lost the mother too. Mm-hmm. Like, being in this space, I, I, I kind of ask myself, how can I be able to help her within this process? And that's where I can come back to you. And what kind of adult would you have needed? Do you think you would have needed within the time? How do you think someone could have appeal, you know, to actually be able to ex- ex- to grieve within the time and appeal to to grow within this period. So um the thing is um everybody with what with what you just mentioned with oh God I've I'm really getting into sorry. Looking back, I would have genuinely appreciated an adult who would have 
slowed down in the moment to realize that this is a child who has lost her mom. And my mom was the only active parent in my life. And which makes it more difficult. Which makes it more difficult. So mm. I would have appreciated an adult slowing down to actually want to know what is going on. What what are my thought patterns from now onwards? Like what are the things that will be going through my head? I just wanted to be openly expressive about these things to somebody. Yeah. But then in a community where everybody tries to avoid the pain because it is pain. Mm -hmm. You just have to deal with it how you feel best to deal with it. And in my case, I think the dealing with it was more of like bottling up. Yeah. And the bottling up um, grew into being rebellious mm. because then there are lots of things that I'm dealing with. And as, even as at my age, I was very curious. I loved to read go online, read about stuff, read about how people behave. So even at the age of, let's say 17, I had an idea that I might be dealing with a bit of depression mm. because of all these things that I had been bottling up inside. Yeah. But even after that realization, I wasn't even true to myself to realize that, okay, so this could be it mm. until the point where now the grief started to manifest. Mm -hmm. I started to that. Yeah, I started to act in very absurd ways. Mm -hmm. Like there are times when I'll just go off. Mm -hmm. Nobody really understands what's going on with me. I, yeah. I say stuff. We there were times when we had to actually go to a cross psychiatrical hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see some doctors, run some scans and stuff like that. And to me. I understand that every single thing contributes to someone's story, but some things that I had to go through, I feel like are very unnecessary or were very unnecessary. I mean, it didn't have to get to that point for someone to actually sit and realize that, no, there's something going on with this person. Yeah. It didn't have to get so bad. Yeah. So the adult that I needed was just for someone to slow down for a second and to be concerned because I was just thrown into life mm. afterwards. You have to go back to school, finish your exam, yeah. come back home. Everybody expects you to be a good child when you do this, do that, do this, do that. And nobody really like mm. had the time to sit down yeah. with you and try and relive what went on mm. to try and understand your own experience, how this whole thing affected you yeah. or how it's shaping you to become. And allowing you to actually, you know, Ex come out of it and just at your own time. Yes. Give you the opportunity to pause. Yes. And breathe. Exactly. Uh, and be very expressive. Yeah. So I feel like that's also transcended to my little sister. She yeah. wasn't also giving that opportunity to fully because she was much younger yes. at that age and How probably was she? she was at just 10. 10 yeah okay. she was 10 now 15 so yeah. she even i'm sure she was even lost about yeah. what was going on even though she knew oh her mom was no more but she yeah. didn't understand what it meant for a mother not to be anymore yeah. 
So that was the kind of adult I needed. And it's rather unfortunate I couldn't also be that adult for my little sister. Because you're basically a child too. A child, yeah. So I I I I feel it still boils down to a level of empathy. When you have adults that are able to be empathetic, they are connected with their own emotions exactly. enough to recognize that she's going through this and we should be able to help her with this emotional journey, mm-hmm. give her a listening help, yeah. create the atmosphere where she can be expressive about what exactly. she feels and not shame for her feelings and allow her to be able to grieve and, you know, um, so even with what you mentioned earlier, how to be, how to help your little girl go through the process, is acknowledging that you are also grieving, mm-hmm. acknowledging that this this shook me. Yeah. So how is it shaking her? I want mm-hmm. to know. I want to find out mm-hmm. how how is her own process like because. How it's shaking her is different from how it's shaking exactly, you. And exactly. how you are handling being shook <laughs> is different from how she's yes, also handling it. So yes. actually taking time to find out how that process is also affecting her yeah. is enough start mm-hmm. for her grieving journey. Yes. And she would really appreciate constantly holding that conversation yes. and being reminded of the amazing person that birthed her yes. and brought her here. That constant reminder, like, yeah. just keep talking about her. Not necessarily all the time, yeah. but then when the topic comes, yes. it's, I don't think it's something to shy away from. Exactly. I think I think that's something, uh, just four days ago, um, I was speaking with my younger sister and we're in the kitchen, my daughter was there and we were having this conversation that just went through and got to the place of my um, mother. And um, we started to talk about her and I would talk about, you know, the resemblance between my daughter and her mother and things like that, the things she do. And I saw how her face just blew and just like smiling and like, you know, asking me questions and things like that. And in a way, it brought me to the realization of I am helping her to feel like she, she knows her. And if you know to, to recognize that, see, you can express yourself with me and um, you... you I just don't know how to like pretty. I feel just being able to be expressive about it goes a long way in helping with the with, with the journey to um, being. I I feel like even having people that were able to just give me that listening here to like talk about my. Um, ex-wife and all that um, really helped me in a huge way and I, I'm very lucky to have like you know those people in my life and uh, people that are really empathetic you know I, I feel our community really needs more of that most especially here 
in Africa. That's true. We, we need more of people that are connected to their emotions, connected yeah. to their feelings, yeah. are able to be expressive about it. You're able to and, feel your emotions yes. and not just and encouraging people to do it. Um, um, as you talked about depression, yes, um, a lot of people um, are going through depression immediately because they don't have people to, to, to express what they feel, you know. With, um, we have a lot of people committing like suicide and all that. And a lot of situations could be really avoided if we can give listening ears, yes. if we can be attentive enough. Um, um, just give people that space to to be able to breathe, to feel free enough mm-hmm. to put themselves out there. And there's something that also like came to me when you were speaking. So I got to experience my mom because I was much older at the time, like at the age of 15. I mean, I knew like I got to experience my mom. And I used to love to watch her dress up to go to work. She would sit in the mirror, she would make up, she would wear her jewelry and stuff like that. And those are things that I I knew about my mom. So growing up, when I do those things, I'll think about her mm. and it makes me happy. Especially with the way I wear my eyeliner. My mom used to love to wear eyeliners a lot. And that's one thing that everybody knew about her. And it's something that I'd want to carry on because it makes, you know how girls like to emulate their moms with stuff. So I feel like in a way that also has helped in the grieving process that I didn't even know it was. You mentioned that when you, when you told her that she looks a lot like her mom, she beamed up. So if you mentioned something that her mom loved to do, maybe, oh my, she loved to wear red. You would realize that she would be particularly drawn towards that color. Mm. And anytime she puts on red, she feels like an embodiment of her mom. Mm. And she's able to express her, yes. her, her grief in a joyous way. Mm. And that's also a way for her to grieve. So yeah. it boils down to not shying away from talking about people that we've, we really love, yes. we've lost. We should talk about them and... And so doing, we don't know what, how the people around are picking the nuggets for their healing through yes, that, yes. through general conversations. Mm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I feel I've been, I've been able to learn um, a lot from just um, listening to your story. Um, I, I feel in a way it also gives me permission to to continue on some things that I do which I was I, I, I don't know if it's helping or not you know and also help me to like think about other ways I like be there for my daughter because for her she didn't really know her mom she was two years old when her mom passed so mm-hmm. she was like really small but um, she has had stories and all that and being able to like be there for within this time, and as she she she's just getting into her teenage, you know, years, and more questions are going to come, um, and there there might be some attitude or stuff like that that might come. I don't know, but I want to be be quiet, you know. Um, 
I, I, I think um, it's what I call conscious parenting. Yeah. I feel um, it is important that uh, we as parents are able to equip ourselves with knowledge of like different things like this so we can be there for our children so they don't the best possible way yeah they, they, they don't carry like um, trauma, trauma. You know, into adulthood and we can help them in different healing journeys yes of course everyone would have their own piece and beat of trauma Definitely. but it shouldn't be it shouldn't, trauma yeah. that would break them that would break them know? yeah and, and, and that is something that is really important to me I, I think it is something that um I have also tried to extend to other kids, mm-hmm. probably those in the orphanage or that, that um, have suffered loss in one way or the other, just giving them that space where they can be able to express themselves. And, and, and this leads me to my next question. Who is Seka Amache uninterrupted? Oh, not yet uninterrupted. <laughs> That's a very, very broad question. Uninterrupted, I really like to flow and grow in my environment. And I, and I really like everything around me to also grow as I grow. I'm a very community-oriented person. Like I, I really like to involve community. I strongly believe in community. And as you spoke about knowing your bloodline and knowing the people from which you come from, that gives you the first sense that we are community people because these people existed so you could exist. And with that realization, you also know that you exist so it is your duty to help others also exist and be their true and highest self if you can. So Sika Uninterrupted is a person who really strives towards growth and also wants everything and every person around them to grow regardless, be it animal, plant, human beings, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, so that is Sika Uninterrupted. I can't (laughs) say it for now. (laughs) That's beautiful, that's beautiful. Wow. This has been an amazing episode. I love our talk. Sika, an embodiment of glory, I tell you. That's just it. I love every single thing about you. The way you put it out, the way you carry yourself. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to our listeners. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Let the feedback keep coming. I want to hear more. Tell us what you would want us to explore the next time. Um, I'm here for you. And this is the Black Book.